Welcome to Baseball's Inside Journey, the podcast that helps players and parents grow their baseball knowledge. This is the show that specializes in youth baseball. And now, here's Coach Drew and Eric Powers. Hi, Journeyman. This is Coach Drew with Baseball's Inside Journey, and I'm here today with Mark Yoshino, head baseball coach at Bellevue College. How are you doing today, Mark? Good. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I know it's been a long time coming. I kind of known you in and out for the last uh, ever since we were in high school, and you played against my brother. And it's uh, really fun to to be here today. And I know you've been coaching here for quite some time. How long? How long have you been here at Bellevue College? Uh, I had for twenty six, and I started here in nineteen ninety four. Okay, so that'd be thirty one years. Thirty one years. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> time flies. Yeah. Well, as you know, we've been trying to do this for some time, and I appreciate you doing it. I I think one of the the goals here with this podcast is to give as much information as we can to you know youth families and, and their players with as much information about kind of their journey going through little league, through high school, and into college. And most people tend to want to have a playing career after high school. And so we're going to kind of talk a little bit about that and what that looks like. But so anyway, let's get to some fun stuff. Though. How's your team looking for this year? Really good. Kind of a surprise only because we graduated 20 players from last year's team. And so this year's club being fairly new, you never know yeah, right. <laughs> what's in store. But so far, the signs have been pretty good. In other words, we're actually looking like we're a veteran club, even though there's a lot of new faces this year. So how many do you carry typically on your roster? We carry 30 in the ARC junior college conference that we're in. We don't have a set roster rule, whereas the NCAA Division One it was 35, and they raised it to 40 to accommodate the extra players from COVID who had that extra oh, okay. year of eligibility. But I believe they actually permanently kept it at 40, or at least that's kind of what I'm wow. hearing. I don't keep up with all the NCAA roster. Since yeah, we right. don't play in the NCAA, but from my understanding, I believe there's talk that they're just going to keep the roster at 40 for now. Yeah. So. How many of those are pitchers as opposed to position players? Uh, for us, we have 15 of each. Okay. 15 pitchers and 15 hitters. We do have a couple two-way players, which is kind of a new dynamic now. <laughs> youth ball and travel ball seems like everyone all the way up through the 18U level. So even when it starts at 10U, mm -hmm. all the way up to 18U, there's kind of a growing number of two-way players. And obviously with Otani being three years. <laughs> It's well, more popular than that. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody wants that right now, and my team included. I'm, of course, at 14 U, which is what I'm coaching now, you're not really – I'm reluctant to kind of force kids to only play one position. I want sure. them to do as much as they can as they're going through puberty. But So you have – you're turning over two-thirds of your team, so you're busy during the season, right? And hopefully you have some good assistance. But how do you possibly recruit that many players to restock your team up and hopefully be competitive? Well, we had a couple red shirts that didn't play last year that are pitching now because they were coming oh. off injury. So they didn't they play last year, yeah. Yeah, but they're part of the group. So Got they're it. kind of hybrid <laughs> okay. returners, and they're both healthy and ready to go. And they both had arm surgery so oh, yeah, okay. uh, on the elbow. So they're both ready to roll and mm -hmm. are good. Um, and then we had uh, five players come in from four-year colleges as well. Transfers. Transfer so, portal? Yeah. Oh. So, well, that's that's interesting. I want to talk to you about that because that's uh, that's a big thing that yeah. obviously everybody's talking about now with baseball, football, right. what have you. 
So how do you handle the transfer portal? What's it like from a um, So we don't have level? access to it at you the don't? junior college level, but we just hear, you know, who's in it. Usually it's through dialogue with their summer coach from their youth days. Okay. Let us know. Sometimes they'll just contact us. And mm-hmm. sometimes the four-year coach or school they're departing yeah. will let us know. But we actually huh. don't have access to it like the other NCA schools do. That's when interesting. They literally will get their cup of coffee in the morning and open it up and just look okay. to see who's in there. We unfortunately wow. don't have uh, access because it's only accessible for all NCA schools. So that's yeah. D1, D2, and D3. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so like Wash, the Huskies picked up a D3 pitcher last year, and he ended up being one of their better guys. So wow. uh, all those coaches at all three of those levels have access to everyone at all hmm. three levels. So Yeah, so communication, obviously, between coaches and I some parents, too, and things like that is very important to you. How do you vet those players? I mean, obviously, if they were already committed to a D1 program, they're probably pretty strong. But you know, Yeah, usually they're, well, because they're local. And so okay. they're kind of wanting to play someplace closer. Um, and the main thing, I think, is they want a situation where they, they're playing time. Mm-hmm. Might be at a maximum chance. Because okay. obviously yeah. if they're in the transfer portal and they're not going to go from a four-year to another four-year, if they go back to a two-year, then obviously they're looking for the the experience, right. you know, the opportunities that they didn't get. Mm-hmm in their initial year at the four-year school. But, yeah, it is it is interesting because we usually have a couple four-year transfers, but this year was kind of a record yeah. high. We actually could have had more, uh, but we shut it down, actually. Did you? So I think we could have had up to seven. But how would that have affected, right, the kids you've already committed to? Yeah, in, so right? it's tough. So, like, right now we're dealing with that currently. So mm. we are already pretty much capped for next year, but the problem is we have some players that are in between academically and athletically where they have the option of coming back next year or they could leave mm-hmm. after this year. So we actually have seven of those guys. Jeez. Wow. So we have seven players currently that could come back next year yeah, or they might depart. And so that's kind of affecting our recruiting right now because there's a couple extra players out there that we haven't recruited yet simply mm-hmm. because we're not 100% sure if we're even going to have a spot for them. So. Wow. And again, that's just under our rules because yeah. we like to carry 30, but it's not like we're under an NWAC cap where we can't offer or recruit okay. more players. That's just our preference. If you're a high school player and you think you have D1 talent or you know, or you've been told you have D1 talent, do you feel like that landscape has changed a little bit now that this transfer portal is, is kind of raised its, um, <laughs> its head? It changes it for the guys that are already in college. I think for the younger kids coming up, they're still motivated. To, yeah. So even if they hear about players transferring in the portal, I don't think that's deterring them too much, but it is kind of a... I would assume an educational piece. You know, yeah. I think the older and closer they get, we have gotten a couple recruits out of high school who were actually kind of knowledgeable on that. And they actually chose to come here and not go to a four year when they had okay. division one opportunities for that reason. Sure. Um, so rare, but we actually had a couple on our team this year, true freshmen that had four year division yeah. one opportunities. But because they saw the handwriting on the wall as far as just the high number and they don't get a whole lot of playing time, yeah. they actually opted to, to come. Money is another factor, too, just because of the cost of right. four-year schools is getting so expensive. Yeah. 
for some of these families. Do you guys offer? I mean, obviously, I know at the D one level it was at thirteen point yeah, it's eleven or points or whatever. Yeah, how much can so you? We uh, offer eleven, but they're partial scholarships. Okay. Um, okay. So, but our tuition's so cheap yeah. compared to yeah. a four year school. So basically, the players here are pretty much paying for housing if they choose to. Okay. Live on their own. Sure. So obviously, the old school days, ninety percent of the team were local commuter students. So yeah. Paying for housing. Got it. Okay. 20, 30, 40 <laughs> years ago wasn't a topic mm -hmm. to discuss during the recruiting process, but now I'd say it's a rarity now for the player to just play at the school like literally five minutes from their house. We yeah. actually do have a small handful of those guys, but the majority of them are actually still well, That was me. I mean, I played here a long time ago, but uh, it was 10 minutes. Correct. <laughs> it was pretty yeah. nice. We have We're some of those. Go. We have about five like yeah. that this year, but not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, it sounds like it's a real, I mean, there's so many different people out there saying different things about how you achieve the, the goals you want to play after high school. And I think a lot of our listeners typically are looking for any kind of advice on how to get noticed. And, and one of the things that I'm hearing a little bit about, and now my son is 14, so we're still even at that point where we're not really sure he's going to be going, he's an eighth grader going into ninth grade. And, you know, you hear about these sizzle reels and, and these, and you start to get, if you've been to any of these perfect game events, you, you get on those mailing lists and they want, they want you to, they start getting recruited or these recruiting agencies telling you you need to pay $3,000 to, to get a profile of them and get started right away. And, you know, everybody wants the best for their, their son or daughter. But I guess I would ask you is, is how important do you think that is to kind of get after that right now? Or, or is there maybe a different way? I mean, it's a blend of everything, but at the end of the day, the colleges want the best players out there, meaning even if you have a cool sizzle reel or Instagram page, you're going to have to produce on the field. Yeah. And so reality is it's going to be awful hard for a player who's not one of the better players on his high school team to be a successful college player. Sure. So in, in reality, it's it's a combination of just talent and numbers but it's also just productivity throughout the years i mean it's the best yeah. players are it is what it is yeah. <laughs> yeah you do see some players that are really good players as far as their ability to help a team yeah high batting average low era or whatnot they don't have the best raw physical tools there's still schools for those guys mm -hmm. they probably won't get recruited as maybe as heavy as a player who has the same productivity in high school and summer ball, but then has a little bit more in the raw physical department. Right. But there's a lot of good high school players that maybe just have average tools across the board. They're, they're very serviceable okay. college players. And do you find yourself going to high school games? Mm -hmm. and Do you have time yeah. to do that? Yeah, we, we use a blend of the summer teams, summer coaches, oh, okay. and the high school teams and the high school coaches. Mm -hmm. And the showcase is a little, sadly, some – Recruiters will just use showcases only, maybe out of sheer laziness. Yeah. And if it works for them, great. It's one of those deals where you, you kind of need to blend mm -hmm. of everything. So. Yeah, I can see that. So it sounds like probably good communication with, the you know, you need to probably know where you want to go to school, have an idea of that, right? And it probably starts there before sending out your sizzle reel to 100 different coaches Correct. that yeah. have no idea who you are or, or anything like right. that. Do you get sizzle reels sent to you? 
a little. I mean, it's we go off lists too as well that summer coaches and high school coaches give to us. We're not huge on using just the yeah. social media to grab players. <laughs> yeah. How soon do you start looking at uh, get your eye on a 16. on a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's for us the cost is kind of the main thing that's changed dramatically throughout the years. So I was actually just talking to the former assistant at University of Portland, which is a okay. Division One school, private. Yeah. yeah, he's a pro scout now, actually, and uh, he was commenting just how much the tuition cost has changed, public and private schools, from when he was coaching at a Division One school, literally just five six years ago. Wow. The cost now, he just says it's unbelievable how much it's skyrocketed. And so because of the partial scholarships and baseball not being what they call a headcount sport, okay. it not a, the headcount sport is where every player on the roster gets a full. So like I see. men's basketball and NCAA is a headcount sport, and volleyball is another one. And I want to say there's only like three or four where everyone on the team is getting a full. Right. All the others are what they call equivalency sports. Okay. So uh, men's soccer and uh, baseball, softball, those are all percentage scholarship sports, meaning that mm. the odds of anyone getting a full are pretty slim. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually did kind of a seminar with the UW assistant. He said they have one player that's on a full. Hmm. So they have 40 players on the team. Wow. So they have some walk-ons. One's getting a full. I don't know who it is. But yeah. And the other probably 30 are mm -hmm. all in some sort of a partial scholarship. I see. So if you do the math, like UW is over 30000 a year now for housing and yeah. school. So yeah. that's the cheapest in-state wow. option. Yeah. And like I was saying, even the, the public schools are getting expensive. Mm -hmm. so we're still on the cheaper side. So yeah. we're at uh, 4500 for the year. For, for the year? For tuition. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, when I when I was here, and I know when you first started here, it was Bellevue Community College. Right. And at some point, they yeah, I don't do you, I suppose you might recall when that was when they switched to Bellevue. Yeah, a number College. of schools have switched to just college because they're offering four year degrees. Okay, so so it didn't affect the athletic program. No. Okay, no fun fact though, we were very close to moving to four year for athletics as well. Oh, yeah, it was in the hopper. So the president at our school, so this was 2016, pretty recent. Mm -hmm. But our former president and the former Wazoo president, Elston Floyd, who passed away actually a couple years after, they were in conversation making this Wazoo Bellevue. Oh, interesting. And they were going to turn it into a kind of a model like in the California state system where you have a Cal State Fullerton that's Division One, a yep. Cal State Stanislaus or a Cal State Monterey Bay, which is Division Two in New York, the Sunny System, State University of New York, S-U-N-Y. And then they have different titles after that. Texas hmm. actually does the same thing. So there's okay. a UT Austin, the big one. Yeah. There's a UT San Antonio there's a UT Permian Basin, which is a smaller level, but it's Got all it. under the, the University of Texas umbrella. And that's what they were going to do here. They're going to do a Washington State umbrella and then have Wazoo Pullman, mm -hmm. Wazoo Bellevue. Hmm. And we were actually actually making moves towards going to NCAA Division Two yeah. or NAI. We actually got informal letters of invitation mm -hmm. wow. from both the conferences because they wanted to travel 
partner or a school in the Seattle area just for budget purposes. Yeah. So obviously having another school add sports and having it in the Seattle region. Right. Very convenient. How many other D2 schools are there? Not many. There, so that's right? why it was from their end. It was, was it like, Central? Yeah, was... Central, Western Oregon, Montana yeah. State Billings. Wow. And, yeah, there's only St. Martin's. So okay, St. It's Martins. a 14 conference right now. Yeah. Wow. So they were, I don't want to say desperate, but. <laughs> <laughs> they were interested. Really, yeah. 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 Because I actually saw the letter from the, the GNAC is what their conference is called. They had heard, and they said, we are hearing through conversation that Bellevue College might be entertaining going four-year for athletics as well. But the whole thing kind of died hmm. uh, just because the Wazoo president passed away, and then our president was no longer working here. And so it literally just got forgotten. Wow, that's uh, too bad. Maybe yeah. it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. God. Well, a lot of people don't know that, but it yeah. was actually moving forward and then the whole thing was, was so yeah. we don't have to edit that out it's not no. it's okay to keep it yeah. in the podcast <laughs> it's a fun fact i yeah. think a lot of people they never wow. knew yeah well i got another fun fact that i'd like you to cover but first as this is uh coach drew with baseball's inside journey i'm sitting here with mark yoshino head baseball coach at bellevue college so the other fun fact and we covered this uh in a previous conversation but when i was here 30 plus years ago we were the helmsman and uh, that was our mascot. And I know it was the helmsman for quite some time. But now you guys are the Bulldogs. What's up with that? Yeah, 2004 is when it changed. Several small reasons how and when it gained traction to actually just change. I'm actually still not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, a couple people thought there wasn't any, like, identity behind helmsman. People asked, what is that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a person who rides the ship yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the wheel. People didn't like the logo because they said it wasn't intimidating looking. You know, a guy <laughs> in a rain suit yeah. steering a wheel of a boat. Well, <laughs> um, it was unique. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just kind of became a vote. And the sad thing about it is, is there was such little student interest in this topic that the athletes themselves had to run over and stuff the ballot box to choose the new mascot, and oh. there were less than 100 total votes, and Bulldogs Jeez. was and the Bulldogs. top. I didn't count, yeah. but I do know for a fact there were less than 100 because the, the head of the like the student body that was running the vote. So they put it to a vote to change the name, and then they did another vote for the names? Correct. <laughs> okay. Correct. Oh. So it was Bulldogs, Panthers, and I forgot the third option. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a bummer, man. Yeah, we <laughs> have the old Helmsman logo there. still. Yeah, a lot of pride. Yeah, the, the teams were. I mean, the history of the school yeah. was the basketball team that won NWAC, all the track teams, the baseball, men's soccer has a huge history here. From yeah, NWAC titles back when they were the Helmsman. I still yeah. identify as a Helmsman. Yeah, <laughs> I think if the teams weren't that good back then, there wouldn't have been a lot of eyebrows raised but because the history of athletics here in the 80s and the 90s was so good yeah all the sports track cross country basketball baseball you name it yeah we just have cabinets full of NWAC championship trophies from the Hmm. 70s 80s and 90s that's awesome probably more then when they were the helmsmen than we do now yeah as the Bulldogs. That Maybe we should get another road. petition going to get yeah. back to the helmsman, right? <laughs> Somebody mentioned that, actually. They said that yeah. the teams were all better 
Yeah, that's probably the, the name. <laughs> so, yeah, that's awesome. funny you mentioned. Well, I, yeah, I, I really wanted to. I wanted to hear that story again because it, well, it's the sign of the times, I guess. Yeah. Right. There's lots of sunken concrete out there, and most of it doesn't need to be replaced. I'm Bill Freiberg. My son Dave and I own 1866 Slabjack. We raise sunken concrete. If you have a settled sidewalk or uneven driveway, don't worry about the high cost of replacement. We can simply raise your concrete back to where it should be, leaving you a clean level surface. Our process is quick and easy and a fraction of the cost of replacement. Give us a call. 1866 Slabjack Slabjack Welcome back to Baseball's Inside Journey with Coach Drew and Eric Powers. Gosh, I really appreciate you, you doing this with us. I think one of the things that I, I wanted to also just cover before we go is how has recruiting changed, though, for you since, I mean, even before the transfer portal? Just because, I mean, I know that there's so, like you said, tuitions going up with schools and there's there's a lot more visibility these days with social media. and for a JUCO or a smaller college, I've got to think it's there may be some difficulties, or maybe there's maybe there's some things that might be to your advantage. So yeah, it has that. changed a uh, couple reasons: more summer teams and more year-round baseball. Whereas before that didn't happen. Sure. So okay. there's opportunities to see a kid in a winter workout for a summer team in February. Yeah. Fifteen years ago, that didn't happen. Okay. Obviously, with film and video and just all the websites, that kind of helps. But in reality, you still need to get out and see the player. Injury is another huge one, meaning because there's so much activity going on, it's become a big concern as far as just roster depth, as far as who's going to still be healthy Mm -hmm. when they come here and who's not, especially for the pitchers. Yeah. So I mentioned those two pitchers earlier that sat out last year that recovered from arm injury. Well, they were two pitchers that got injured their senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. So no one's fault directly. Yeah. It's just kind of, but that's kind of what the trend is. Is we always average about two players coming in injured. So just because kids are doing more these days, yeah, I think we have one three sport athlete. In high school, on our team. So you'll bring you'll bring a kid in knowing that he's got an arm injury, mm-hmm. with the ex- expectation yeah. of redshirting his first year, and then yeah. we okay. hope it doesn't happen. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the average. So the other thing that's really changed drastically on the recruiting end is the like we talked about earlier, the two way player. Okay. Yeah. It has made it more difficult because obviously when you're trying to fill positions and you're not sure if he's going to be a pitcher or a hitter. Yeah. So here's how crazy that's gotten. Even at the Division One level, we have a pitcher on our team currently who was recruited as a hitter by a Division One team, not as a pitcher. <laughs> really? So wow. how do you make sense out of that? You get recruited at a higher level. Yeah. Yeah. As a hitter, but he's a pitcher <laughs> here. <laughs> Why that's happening is because depending on a given day recruiting, the player might be hitting or he might be yeah. pitching. And if you miss out on one or the mm. other, and yeah, the number of two ways, even before Otani, you know, made it big was on the rise. Right. And it is getting difficult. Mm. You can two way at this level. It's hard at the division one level. There are a few, but they're, it's difficult. 
you typically see your players coming here with the anticipation of going to play at D1, or are they also maybe coming here hoping to get drafted after their first year? Uh, mainly to go to a four-year okay. division one, yeah. But that is an option for them, is right? Still to an get, option. It is, yeah. 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 And that if they commit to a D one, that's not an option for them, right? Until their what junior year. Correct. Okay. Correct. That's as in there's fewer of those players though that are coming here for the draft reasons. Although the ones that do, they're reaping the benefits because their competition, so to speak, here is less because there's fewer of them. Okay. Sure. So in other words, if a player comes here for draft ambitions and is actually a prospect, he's really going to shine mm-hmm. because it's changed in the last 20, 30 years. He doesn't, he's not going to look around and have 20 other pitchers that are equivalent to yeah. him. So yeah. he's really going to kind of get the attention and, hmm. you know, people to come out. Yeah, it's, that has changed, so. And we're a Woodback Conference, too. We, we moved to Wood for that reason, so that okay. the, the potential draft kids would I always wondered about why it would move to Wood, yeah. Well, when we did it in 99, the number of players that got drafted doubled that year, actually. It's kind of slowly dropped since 1999. Hmm, that's um, interesting. Part of that is just the way the Pro Scouts have to cover territory. That's probably another conversation. But they, yeah. they basically have too much territory to cover in too little of time. Whereas the old days, there were more pro scouts and they had more time to cover each region. But now it's literally go here, go there, see a guy one time. Yeah. Unless they're a top first round draft. Now that you brought up (laughs) pro scouts, that is actually something that I wanted to ask you real fast is obviously if, if I'm a father of a player that is, is got options and is weighing their options, your relationship with pro scouts, I would think, and advocating for your players is going to be something that's going to be intriguing to that family. How important would you say that is when you are going on a on a call to a, a family to kind of try to get them to come to Bellevue College? Well, they'd have to be good enough, you know, to be a pro player. We actually have one right now, actually, and that's actually one of the reasons he came to Bellevue. Yeah. It was because of the history of the drafted players and the major leaguers and the relationships that we have with the scouts. Yeah. Well, and you've been here for thirty years, right? So yeah. you're gonna you're well known. And oddly, <laughs> there's still a high number of pro scouts that are still around representing. Oh yeah, you know, various MLB teams that have been around a long time. So yeah, it is interesting though. I think advocacy is something that I find when being more on the parent side and a youth coach side. It's just this big, everybody's wondering, you know, what's the right path to take? What's the right thing? What are the right questions should we ask? And I I think that's something that seems to be a common theme is that your coach's ability to communicate with other coaches and with scouts is something that really needs to be looked at by those families. Correct. Right? Correct. It really seems that way. Well, I don't want to take up much more of your time, but I, I one thing I really want to, you, you've been doing this for so long and, and put out so many great players. I guess I'd like you to give some advice to our young players. What what advice would you give to young players that are hoping to play after high school? Again, just the consistency of productivity, meaning having a good high school season and a good summer season, staying in one place, meaning on the same summer team and not being what they call a guest player, which apparently mm. is a new trend now. Oh, yeah. I've never even heard of the term, <laughs> but now apparently it's a term where you have a player who's called a guest player, where they bounce mm-hmm. from team to team, and they're actually not even really on a team full-time. They just play. Right. 
They're hired so guns. Apparently, it's a trend. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible for the recruiting because we don't know where they're at, especially if they're a two-way player. So now you got two issues. One, are they going to pitch or they hit? And then yeah. you got to figure out what team they're a guest player for. And right. And so, you know, yeah. it's, that's, I'm so glad you brought that up. I heard that's a growing trend. It is. It's just, uh, we see it all makes the time. no sense to me at all. Because, yeah, so you get kids <laughs> that are jumping around like that. But from an advocacy standpoint, on the coach's part, None of them really get to know that player very well, Correct. right? And so they're not, you're going to ask them, you're like, well, he only was on the team for a couple tournaments, so I can't really give you my thumbs up. I, yeah, boy, that is a unintended consequence of seeing the grass greener on the other yeah. side, right? That's really current, too. I literally want to think that just happened a couple years ago. I mean, it yeah. wasn't very common even five years ago. So, I, Yeah. I mean, I could, I see it, you know, again, I'm coaching 14U and, you know, I definitely see it happening yeah. uh, quite a bit, but, well, that's really interesting to, to know. And well, Mark, I don't want to take any more of your time, but I really want to thank you for coming on. This was fun. It was a long time coming and I, I hope you'll do it again sometime. We can talk about some other things, but I know you're getting into your season here pretty yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah. And just so. the, the last advice, just on the two-way players is just uh, keep plugging away, but at some point, you'll want to really identify, like, where's your potential Sure. more um, as a pitcher, as a hitter. Because once you get into college, you have to really be good. There's just very few players that are just naturally gifted to do both without having to practice it, mm-hmm. which you don't want to be as a below-average player at both. So at some point, you'll want to not necessarily become a hitter only or a pitcher only, but at least kind of know. Sure. Get a, an idea what area to focus what, on. What age would you? Training? What age would you think that they should make that decision? Late sixteen, seventeen, okay. eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Even the University of Washington has one now, so they have a player who was a frontline pitcher all through high school. Now he's a hitter. <laughs> yeah, you never know. So even at the <laughs> Division One level, they're going through the exact same thing. That yeah. And it's for various reasons, whether their talent got better in one area and it didn't get any better in the other, or maybe injury caused them to switch and focus more on the hitting and give up the pitching, sure. or just various reasons out there. But there's an example right now, because he, he was always a good hitter and a good pitcher, and but he was recruited initially as a pitcher because he was big and threw hard and yeah. left-handed, but now he's a hitter. Hmm. That's great advice. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you, Mark. Because it's a growing trend. Yeah, clearly it is. Yeah, I think anybody listening to this will agree it's it's definitely a growing trend. But thank you very much for coming on with us today. My pleasure. Always uh, glad to be a guest on the show. Thank you. This has been a production of Baseball's Inside Journey, LLC. This podcast does not constitute advice or services and is primarily designed for educational purposes only. We encourage your feedback and topic ideas at facebook.com slash podcast dot baseball.